Welcome to the Equipped Podcast, where I aspire to help others through honest conversation, personal experiences, and biblical encouragement. I talk about life, the Bible, mental health, and so much more. We believe that being equipped allows God's grace to keep us focused on the purpose of the church, in which we are a group of redeemed sinners who are growing into Christ-likeness together. I wholeheartedly believe that God equips those who feel as though they are unequipped, and I want to share this good news with you. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Equipped Podcast. This is season three, episode three. I don't know what episode it is overall. I can't remember. But nonetheless, I am excited to be here with you today. It's been a week. Um, It's been a heavy week in my household, as I'm going to get into that a little bit. But I just want to be honest with you guys. It's been a hard week. It's been, you know, one of those weeks that it's like, you're just ready for the end of the school year. You're ready for kind of what's next and ready just to see where God kind of is um, leading and guiding you. Uh, but yeah, so I am excited to be back. I didn't know if I was going to be able to get an episode out this week just due to family situations. But nonetheless, I'm excited that I kind of had time to sit here and enjoy being with y'all. But, uh, sorry, I was making sure the mic was going. But, yeah, so I hope that all of you have had a good week. And um, no matter what this week has kind of brought to you, I pray that it has been a good week nonetheless. I do apologize if you go back and listen to some of the episodes and the mics seem to be different. It's because they are. So I got a new mic set for Christmas this past year, but I realized that they are not the best mics. Sorry, Mom and Dad, I appreciate you getting them. But I had to result back to my other mic sets that I use, um, and the overall sound quality to me seems to be a little bit better, especially when I'm just here in my apartment doing it. So I was like, why not? So what does this month have for Colby? Great question. Well, I finish up school in a month, which is very exciting, but also kind of very daunting at the same time. Um, I'm excited to kind of open that next chapter of life. I finish up in May. And, um, basically I'm moving home for an internship this summer with, uh, a comp- a clinical trials company, clinical research company organization, and I'm excited to do that. So, uh, that means moving out of the apartment and, um, that's going to be real fun. We live on a three story apartment and we are the top floor and my roommate and I have a couch to move out. Of course, both him and I's room stuff. And we actually both are going to North Carolina, where he is actually doing law school at Wake Forest University. Um, I applied to 
Wake Forest uh, graduate program today, which I'm very excited for, and it is in healthcare administration. So we'll see kind of where that goes and if that's what God has for me. But um, it's looking promising right now. But again, uh, I want God's will for my life. But uh, if that's not where he has me, I know he'll kind of lead me somewhere else. But school finishes up. I've got final exams and then I'm restarting school again. Uh, I had the opportunity to either do a few classes over the summer or come back next semester. And I was like, well, if I have the opportunity to get everything done this summer, why would I not do that? So that's exactly what I am doing. I'm coming back this summer and uh, I'm not coming back. I'm just doing online classes this summer as well as doing my internship. Uh, so I am excited to kind of uh, do that and get that going just so the quicker I start, the quicker I can finish. But it's going to be weird. I don't think it's really quite hit me yet that I'm kind of going to be done with college. Um, but part of it has hit me that I'm kind of moving into a new chapter of life. Uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I used to not really do well with transition. However, I've kind of gotten better at dealing with transition, especially moving home. Um, and I'm very grateful to have a great relationship with my, my parents and my family. So moving home shouldn't be too difficult. But at the same time, as a 21-year-old, where you've lived for three years on your own, especially two of those years in an apartment by yourself, you have that place where you can just go. Uh, it can sometimes be easier or excuse me, harder to kind of transition back into a place that um, was familiar for so much of your life, but has become unfamiliar now that you are kind of at a different walk of life. However, you know, transitions aren't always a bad thing. Um, they do kind of make life more interesting, but uh, interesting, like I said, is not always bad. I do want to apologize um, for we've, we've kind of been rough on the posting for our, our um, Instagram this week. I uh, am going to talk a little bit about it today, but this past weekend on Easter, um, we lost my grandpa. My, my grandpa went home to be with the Lord, which I'm very grateful for because um, he is a Christian and I know where he is at. I know that he is in um, the presence of Jesus Christ right now. He is with God, and he is rejoicing him with a new body, um, a new, you know, a new body, a new, new lungs, new, new breath, all of that stuff, which um, he somewhat struggled with on this earth. You know, it, it talks about in the Bible that from dust we came into dust we'll go, and um, death is sometimes a, a difficult realization and a difficult thing to wrap your mind around, which is going to be the topic of today's episode. Um, the five stages of grief is the title of this episode. Uh, and basically what I'm going to do is talk a little bit about what those stages are, um, what they can look like in an individual, and what they also can feel like in an individual. And this is important because everyone in life has experienced, and if you haven't yet, you will at some point, death or um, an, an extended amount of grief. I think it, it's talking about this, the five stages of grief. However, sometimes the biggest grief that we feel is when someone in our life passes away. And for me, I have experienced um, grief in that way and in multiple different ways, both tragically, um, so an unexpected death, an expected death, and then a death from old age. 
And I'm going to kind of tell you a little bit about my experiences dealing with those um, types of death and how the five stages kind of looked in me. But this is also important for someone who maybe it's your spouse or maybe it's your family or your parents who are listening to this right now. Uh, you are going to be able to kind of tell a little bit about when someone goes through gr grief, what stages they are in. So it's important to know those stages so that you can identify them and, and see that, okay, this is kind of the way it goes. This is what stage she's in. How can I help him or her in this very moment? So it is important to kind of familiarize yourself with each of the stages. Um, and like I said, my goal is to tell you what they are and what they can look like and feel like. And so I did this research um, and one thing that was interesting was if you go look at like Google, the, the stages of grief, some people say that there are five and some people say that there are nine or 10. And um, so I just decided to kind of do five for you today, just as an overall broader, that way it's easier to understand and easier to um, kind of see what they look like and feel like and identify within your life or someone else's life that maybe you're walking with them through something. But yeah, so without further ado, let's kind of get into it. Um, I will say before I, I guess, get into the actual stages, I just kind of want to talk about the experiences that I've walked through um, with Nathan, Carlos, and then my grandpa, my great grandpa as well. Um, they're all three, four different experiences. Um, Nathan was a very tragic death, so an unexpected death. And these stages can look completely different depending on what death you're dealing with. Um, and I only say that to say that expected deaths are not always um, easy. No death is easy to deal with. Um, death never gets easy to deal with, but you can identify the ways that you deal with death by going through something like that. So a tragic death obviously is the hardest to get through. You have, you have expected deaths. For instance, someone has been diagnosed with a sickness, um, you know, and the doctor gives them about a, a year to live or so. Um, it's still tragic in the way that they are going in its death, but you have time to kind of prepare yourself and walk through um, those stages of grief, maybe even before the person passes. And then you also have um, kind of the last type of death is just kind of dying of old age, maybe. Um, so dying of old age, walking through someone that is, is dying with old age is um, it can be peaceful. It can be stressful. Uh, it can be um, filled with emotion. And that's completely to be expected. But I will say that when you are able to sit with someone who you know has lived a fulfilling life of X amount of years, letting them go can sometimes be easier in a sense, but also harder. Harder in a sense because they've been with you for the amount of years that you've been alive, but easier in a sense knowing that if they are a Christian, you know where they're going and you know that they have fulfilled a good life on earth to where you're ready for them to be with the Father. That's what the person longs for because a lot of times you're dependent when you're young, you're independent in the middle of your life, and then when you walk through old age, you're also you're all, a lot of times dependent again. Um, it it kind of talks about that analogy from dust we came in from dust will go. Uh, so it's kind of like a nice you know curve. Um, I did, I did a nice curve with my hands. I know you can't see me for those that are listening to the podcast, um, audio, audio wise, but, um, it's kind of like a nice, nice curve per se, like a bell curve, I think is what they call it. But 
those things you're having to walk through life with the people who the person who is getting closer and closer to death um, when someone is of old age. But we're going to kind of go into the different stages and then some biblical integration and, and, and we're going to get to it. So the first stage of the five stages is denial. So when someone dies, either tragically um, or of old age or, or of anything, um, one of the first stages that they will go through is denial, denial of the death. Um, and what that can look like in yourself or someone that you're walking with them through is um, avoidance of, of interaction. So avoidance with people kind of isolation per se. And um, that can be dangerous because the enemy likes to get us isolated where the Bible very specifically talks about how Jesus desires his children to be in community with one another. That's where God does work. Where, where Satan does work is when we are in isolation. And so we have to be intentional and be proactive instead of reactive to know that when we are walking through something like that, it's going to be easy for ourselves to isolate ourselves, but we have to be intentional to try to not do that. It can also look like someone being easily distracted by um, what it is that they've gone through. So their mind really isn't present on where they are at because it's so focused on the past or what they went through. It can also look like procrastination um, in day-to-day tasks. And so those basically, y'all know what procrastination is. Um, when it comes to school, I'm pretty good at that. But I've also experienced that in death in, in and of itself because when your mind is not there where you're easily distracted, you're not going to be focused on what needs to be done. You're going to fo- be focused on what's already been done. Um, so what really does denial feel like? Well, it can feel like shock. So going through something with a tragic death like shock where, oh oh my gosh, you know, what just happened? Um, It can feel like a numbness where you just don't feel anything. You're just kind of, I like to kind of describe it as a flat line. You just feel like you're flatlined. It can feel like confusion where you're just not, it's a lack of understanding surrounding what has just happened. It can also feel like um, shutting down, pulling away or isolation. So, Denial is the first stage of death. The second stage of death is, or excuse me, grief. I keep saying death only because a lot of times we experience the most amount of grief when we are are, are going through or experiencing death of a certain kind. So the second stage of grief is anger. We've all been angry in our life, so what can it look like? And it can look like irritability with others. So irritability on the situation at hand or the death per se in this instance that is at hand. So it can look like irritability, can look like sarcasm with others. So trying to cope, a lot of times people will use different coping mechanisms to deal with grief at a, at a, uh, in, a in a particular time. So sarcasm can be one of those things. Um, being passive aggressive towards someone. Um, or about the situation that is at hand is also a telltale sign that someone is in that anger stage. Um, and then the last two of what it can look like from someone viewing into cynicism and pessimism um, as well. So familiarizing yourself with those in different, um, I guess, attributes of anger uh, can be important because, like I said, it's not only for someone that is going through the particular thing, but it's also someone who is walking with another person through it. It's important that you understand that. So what can anger feel like? 
Well, we all know what anger can feel like because we've experienced anger in um, different times. And so it can feel like frustration with others or the situation that is at hand. Um, a short temper, it can feel like impatience, which also goes and leads to frustration. So impatience with um, the people that are involved or, or just in general. So um, another big one that it can lead to is resentment. Resentment is something that has been very present in my life when I was walking through the two deaths of Nathan and Carlos, where um, it wasn't necessarily resentment towards anyone in particular. It was more about resentment about the, the situation and, and then bitterness at God. So it was the resentment against God for not understanding why. Why did God allow this to happen? If God is so sovereign, why did he allow such tragic deaths to occur? But the answer to that is we won't always know those answers. And we have to be okay with not understanding the whys in life. Because if we get so caught up on the whys in life, then we're going to miss what God has for us because we're going to spend so much time being bitter at God. And I'm going to kind of dive into that after we talk about the stages of grief and why that that is so important. So another um, what anger can feel like is rage. So that is an, an exorbitant amount of anger. Uh, rage can come in the, in, the, in, the, in the way of verbal or physical um, or emotional. Uh, and a lot of times all of these are taken out on the people that are around us which kind of suck because the people that are around us typically through these stages of grief are those who are closest to us, yet oftentimes we find ourselves pushing them away from us because of something that we're going through. So we need to realize and understand that what it is we are going through does not always mean that we have to push those who are closest to us away because those are the people that are going to be close to us. But if you're not careful, you're going to find yourself where you've pushed everyone that is there for you away. And then when you do kind of a um, inventory of your life, you're going to realize and, and ask yourself, why don't I have these people in my life anymore? Well, it's because you pushed them away when they were trying to be there for you. Now, I know it's a lot easier said than done, but the reason that I'm here today talking about this is because at whether it's now or whether it's in a year or 10 years from now, we are all going to experience death. And I'll tell you one thing, when I was 13 and I went through that stage of grief with, with Nathan and when he died, I did it the wrong way. I didn't know that there was a right way to deal with grief or death uh, in a certain way. And I'm not sitting here today telling you that there is a right or wrong way to deal with it. There are right and wrong things to do when dealing with a situation, but I can't tell you how you are going to respond when you go through this. I can only tell you... Uh, what the commonality of all of this is. And it's the stages of grief that is just human. We are human and we live in a broken and sinful world, which is why we have to deal with things like death. But when we have to deal with things like death, we have to deal with the outcomes and the consequences of death. And this is one of the consequences, trying to deal with it in, 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 in a way. And so if, if someone isn't willing to educate you on what it is, then how are you going to be able to identify it when it is in your life? And so I want to be able to do that for y'all. The third stage of going through grief is what they call bargaining. Um, so what can bargaining look like? So it can look like ruminating um, on the future or the past. I've said this quote many times on the podcast, but when you're so worried about the past, it leads to um, depression. But when you're so worried about the future, it leads to anxiety. So 
the delta of that is to be present because to be present is to be without those things. Um, so a lot of times that we can ruminate on the future or the past or the what ifs of life, or, um, I guess the, we can ruminate over what has just occurred maybe is a better way to put that. So that a lot of times can lead to overthinking and worrying, um, overthinking about what occurred in the past and then worrying about what is to come, um, of that. A lot of times bargaining can look like comparing yourself to others or comparing yourselves to others life or, or they're not going through this right now. And it can kind of honestly, a lot of times lead to self pity. Um, another big thing is thinking or saying statements like I should have, or if I only did this, you know, if I, I should have gone and seen them one last time, if I only did this, they'd still be alive, you know? Um, this is a mental health podcast a lot of times. So a lot of times it can feel, you know, it can be difficult to deal with someone who, I want to be careful how I say this, I guess someone who is struggling with depression because a lot of times people deal with the, with that grief in a different way. Um, and then unfortunately, um, a lot of, a lot of times or sometimes it's getting more, more and more common. People deal with that um, by taking their own life. Um, and that's something that I obviously take very seriously um, in what it is that we talk about on here because it is a big deal. I don't want anyone to feel like they're so alone or they, they don't understand what it is they're going through. So they feel like the only option is to take their life. Because I've always said that suicide is a permanent fix to a temporary problem. Now, I'm not saying that, that the issues in which that they are going through is um, one of those that is a quick fix because it's not. I've dealt with depression. I still deal with it, and I've been dealing with it for years. I've been able to have tools to help me cope with it, but it's through that journey that I've realized that it's okay to struggle. But the best way to help yourself is by allowing other people in your life. It's about, it's, it's by allowing other people to come alongside you and help you to give you tools to be able to deal with it. And then once you walk through that, you're going to be able to help someone else. So it's kind of a triangle domino effect. Um, and so I think that it's important to understand that, you know, you can ruminate all day on the what ifs, or if I, I should have, or what if I would have done this. But that isn't going to get you anywhere. And a lot of times it is Satan who is putting those thoughts in your head. It is Satan who is the father of lies telling, trying to get you to say, if you should have done this, well, what if you would have done this? Maybe they would still be alive. Maybe if you would have sent that text or checked in on that person, they would still be alive. Well, what if you would have told someone what, about what they were going through? Maybe that person would still be alive. Maybe you should have gone and visited that person that one time when it crossed your mind and they would still be alive. It is Satan who was putting those thoughts in your mind. And let me tell you, it is, it is okay. And, and you are going to deal with those thoughts, but it's all about how you deal with those thoughts. Those thoughts are going to be present. Those thoughts are going to come. But if you start putting those thoughts in your mind and start believing them, which is what Satan wants you to do, that is when depression comes. That is when um, condemnation comes. And condemnation is not from God. For God did not come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world through himself. 
through his son on the, on the cross. And so we have to be able to identify and realize that those what if statements of I should have done this or what if I would have done that a lot of times are not from God. The last thing it can look like is being hard on yourself, which I kind of just hit on. So what can it feel like? It can feel like guilt. It can feel like shame, blame, anxiety, insecurity. That's what bargaining can feel like. You're going to go through death, and there's going to be times where you feel like you could have done something. You feel like you should have done something. Use those times in your life to help you with the future. When you're in the present and you realize you should have done something in the past and you ruminate over the past, what, what good is that going to do? Now, I'm not saying don't look at the past because you can look at the past and affect the path that you move on in the future, and that is important that you do. But it is important not to live in the path, in the past, to pick yourself up and take yourself to the past and sit there and, and stay there. It's important to get that 30,000 foot view of the past so that you can realize and identify the things of your past so that those things can affect you and help you moving forward. Because you learn more off your mistakes than you learn off your successes. And so if you're willing to learn off your mistakes, if you're willing to learn on what I should or should not have done, you're able to take that and teach yourself and educate yourself for the future. And maybe it's with death. Maybe it's dealing with grief. Maybe I didn't deal with grief good in the past, but just because you didn't deal with it good in the past doesn't mean that you're going to have to go through that same thing when it comes in the future. Take what it is of the past, take what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it, and teach yourself and educate yourself on how you can do better in the future. So for me, it was I didn't allow others in my life when I was dealing with Nathan and Carlos's death. I didn't want others to help me. So now when I'm going through the deaths of my grandpa, my great-grandpa, um, I'm able to allow myself to say, hey, I identify that I didn't do a good job of that last time, but I'm going to do better and be better on allowing people to come by me and help me and talk about it and allow them to give me the tools to help myself. So right there, I'm, I'm, I'm not sitting and saying, man, I didn't do that last time. And, I'm, and, then, and then I'm not just saying, well, I mean, I'm not going to do anything to change it. You have to be intentional to say, hey, I didn't do this last time, but I'm going to be intentional this time to make sure it doesn't go down that road. The fourth stage of grief is depression. It can look like sleep or an appetite changes, reduced energy, reduced interest in maybe being social or reduced interest in the things that you used to enjoy. It can lead to reduced motivation in life. And this is dangerous because a lot of times when we feel that way, we feel those things, that is when depression seeks in and that's when it takes over. And that's when a lot of times suicidal ideologies come in. Suicidal thoughts, thoughts of harm, thoughts of hurt. But I'm here to tell you that you're not alone through that. I'm here to tell you who's someone that was in the pits of that, I have been saved. I have been helped, and it wasn't through my own strength, but it was through the strength of allowing myself to be helped by others, but more importantly, allowing myself to be helped by Christ. You have to, be, you have to allow yourself that help. 
Allow yourself that help. Allow yourself, allow others to sit in your pain with you. Just like the, the, the common thing that I've talked about all the time about the um, disciples when they were in the boat and the storm came. They allowed Jesus to come sit in their boat, and when they allowed Jesus to come sit with them through what it is that they were going through, everything got fixed. Everything got healed. But if you're not going to allow your Jesus to come sit in the boat with you, how do you expect to call on Jesus when you need him when you've just denied him? That's not how it works. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to go through life and be perfect because you're not. But those who call on the name of the Lord will see the Lord. So call on the name of the Lord. So what can depression feel like? It can feel like sadness. It can feel like despair. It can feel like helplessness. It can feel overwhelming. It can feel like hopelessness. We've all been there. We've all felt those things before. Whether we've realized it or not, whether we've realized it's depression or not, we've all sat in that uncomfortable time and, and, and whether we've known it or not, we've gone through it and we've felt it because we're human. The last stage of grief is acceptance. So what can acceptance look like? It can look like mindful behavior. It can look like accepting where you are at currently being in the present so accepting that this is how it is right now. It can, be, it can look like being more present in the moment. Not worrying about the past and not worrying about the future. But being present where you are at. Because that's the only thing you can do. It looks like being able to be vulnerable and tolerating your emotions. So being able to be vulnerable and talk about what it is that you've gone through, but not allow those emotions to overtake you. And, I, and when I mean that, I mean overtake you and put you into an, an emotional cycle of rage, resentment, bitterness. Because for the longest time, when I dealt with those tragic deaths, I couldn't talk about it because it would only make that resentment and bitterness come back, and it wasn't beneficial for me. I don't think that's what God designed. Because he didn't design for, a, for us to go through this alone. He designed for his children to be in community. And when you are in community with one another, that is where God is. Where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there. God is with you. But allow yourself to go through life with community around you. And some of you right now, I'm going to step on some of the toes around you. I'm going to step on your toes. You've got to call the question, is the community around you what is beneficial for you in this very moment? Because show me your friends and I'll show you your future. There are some of you right now that are sitting here listening to this think, thinking, man, is the community around me the community that I would want when I'm sitting in grief, when I'm sitting in pain, when I'm sitting in, in a lack of understanding to come around me and say, hey, man, let me pick you up. Let me pick you up and guide you and let me help you. Because those friends right now that are saying, hey man, let's just go out to the bar and forget. Let's just go out to the bar. Let's go out and do this. Let's go out and do that. Those things that are not honoring to God, those things that are not going to pick you up, those things that are only going to numb you. But let me tell you, when you are numbed, that pain is going to come right back. So why 
interrupt the the healing process with numbness because it's not like you're healing while you're numb you're actually going backwards when you're numb because you're not able to deal with the pain that is at hand so i've got to call the question right now that if you're struggling with this and and you're you're questioning the community around you if you're having to question the community around you that's a telltale sign that maybe the community around you isn't what it should be good community takes time good community takes um, seeking out good community is worth fighting for to find good community you have to be intentional and that's something that I didn't realize really until this year and I'm talking passionately about this because it's something that I wish I would have known 20 years ago. Yeah, I'm 21 now. I wish I would have known this through my 21 years of life, but I only learned this when I was 19 or 20. That the community around you is so important because it's those people that are going to walk with you through life. Because when you're living a life that is not honoring to God, a lot of times when you make the decision to move away from that life and move away to a God honoring life, a lot of times that community ain't going to come with you. They're probably going to judge you. But it doesn't matter what other people think. It matters what God thinks. And when you realize that, when you realize that it only matters what God thinks and about you, that is when things will start to change. So yeah, you have to be intentional in that aspect. You've got to be intentional. So what does acceptance feel like? It feels like I'm good enough. You don't doubt yourself. You don't doubt that what it, what that you're not good enough. You have the acceptance of who you are. You have more self-compassion about yourself. You start feeling normal again. And you're more confident about your situation and about how you respond to things. Now, like I said, that many of us are going to go through different types of death. You're going to have the tragic, unexpected death, which was like Nathan for me. You're going to have the expected death like Carlos, where you're able to prepare yourself a little bit for what is to come, but it still doesn't really make it easier. And then you're able to have an old age death where you know that person has lived a good life, but they pass. From dust we come to dust we'll go. I only bring that up because when... You, you, you experience a tragic death and you go through that grieving process, you're going to start from step one. But when you're an expected death or you're walking through someone like an old age where you see that they are declining, you're almost able to start that grieving process a little bit earlier where maybe you're not starting from one when they pass. You know, maybe, maybe you're starting with the last one. Maybe you're, you, you accept what has happened. But you're still going to go through that grieving process, and it's important that whenever you go through that grieving process, whether it's before or whether it's after, that these are the stages that you're going to go through. So for the biblical integration, I know I've kind of been in integrating the Bible throughout all of this, but I want to be intentional and tell you a little uh, a story. 
So as I said earlier in the podcast, this past Easter, so a few days ago, we lost my grandpa, who was 76, Terry Hale Sr. Um, my grandpa was an amazing man. He was someone that um, if you knew you, you, if you knew him, you loved him. And if he knew you, he loved you. He would do anything for anyone. He would give his shirt off his back to anyone. Um, he was a joy to be around no matter what his situations were, were in, in the present. He would always find a way to smile. So um, for the last four weeks, we kind of knew that um, the end was coming near because uh, he had had these spells where he has COPD, has trouble breathing, and he'd go to the hospital for a week. And he had told us that, hey, next time this happens, I'm not going to the hospital. Like, I just want to be comfortable. So about four weeks ago, um, a spell started happening um, during spring break, and we were on a cruise, couldn't do anything uh, to be there. But as soon as the cruise ended, we, we, we traveled back home where he was, and we were there for him. So for four weeks, four weekends, I came home every weekend to be with him. I would sit with him. I, I would check in how he's doing. And the first week that I was there, which was when we were after spring break, um, it was it was tough. I think that's when the grieving process almost started for me when I was going through this. The second week I went, he was um, the best he had been. I was very grateful. Um, I, we sat for about three hours and talked, and it was just such a sweet time with him. Um, these four weeks are weeks I'll never forget. Um, the, the third week was um, his, where his decline started. Uh, in that third week, he had fallen and, and really hurt himself. And a lot of times those falls are what will make you decline, but we'd also realized that he had had a stroke. Um, and so we knew the end was near. But we just didn't know how long. Hospice was in. Um, hospice, is, which is end-of-life care, they try to make the, the patient more comfortable, which they did a phenomenal job of. I'm very grateful for them. But this fourth week, this fourth weekend was different. This fourth weekend um, was Good Friday. And this is such a unique story because on the Monday before Good Friday, I was praying and I was doing my quiet time and I said, Lord, allow me to feel the weight of Good Friday. Allow me to feel what the people that were there with you experiencing and watching what you were going through felt. Because I felt like so often... Through Good Friday, we acknowledge that, man, Jesus was crucified today. He went through all this, but we don't honestly sit in that. And little did I know that he was going to answer that prayer like he had never had before. So Friday, um, I rush home and I go to be with my grandpa and he's unresponsive. Um, it was hard. It was hard seeing him in that way. He was laying in his bed um, where he would ultimately pass away and... Um, you know, he'd give you a few faint, faint squeezes on the hand, but he was unresponsive. So extended family gets there. Um, and we come in the room that he's in and we all sit down and it's just silent in there. My dad's holding one hand. I'm holding his other hand, his wife, my grandma sitting in there with their dog my aunt, my uncle, my cousins. And we're sitting in there and we're weeping. We're crying. 
we're reminiscing. We start praying over him, and we start singing hymns. But, but it felt sorrowful. And as I was sitting there, I had this realization that I had prayed that Monday before that I, I had asked God to feel the weight of Good Friday. And I spoke up when I was then and there, and I said, guys, I prayed for this this weekend. This is what I prayed for, that we would truly feel the weight of what Good Friday was. And I would feel that in a different way that I never had felt before. And what was ironic is we were sitting there because we were watching someone die. We were sitting there because we knew that the end was near. Just like those who sat with Jesus, who watched Jesus be, be mocked, whipped, crucified, sat there and knew that the end was near, and they wept. It was hard. It was hard. But I knew that I had prayed that, and I now know that Good Friday will never be the same. So I decided to share that with my family, and it was powerful. Saturday comes, and he's in the same state. I go see him. I say my goodbyes to him because I had to head back up to Lynchburg. And I just knew that that was going to be the last time that I saw him. But just as those who sat with Jesus and watched him crucify and die sat there on Good Friday and on Saturday, and they wept because they had thought they had lost. They thought death had won. Well, Sunday came around, and it was Easter Sunday. And for those who observe Easter, the Christians, Easter Sunday is the day that Jesus rose from the dead and defeated death. Everyone else thought he was down for the count, but Jesus said, I'm not. Let me defeat death. And it was that day on Sunday, Sunday night, Sunday evening, that my grandfather rose to be with his father. And it was such a beautiful picture and such a beautiful symbolism that on Friday we sat there and we felt the weight of the world because we knew death was near. But on Sunday we rejoiced because he was with the Father. Now let me tell you why we can rejoice. We can rejoice because Jesus conquered sin and death so that sin and death could be conquered with us. And it was that sacrifice that was on the cross that, that accomplished that. Because let me tell you this, without that sacrifice on the cross, there is no eternity with Christ. Therefore, there is no rejoicing that my grandfather is with Christ without that sin and without that death on the cross. So it's through the death on the cross that we are able to rejoice in death for those who are believers. And my grandfather was a believer, and I'm so grateful that he was because I know that one day I will see him again. I know that one day and now that he is with Christ, he is with Jesus, with new lungs, with a new body, able to walk, able to run with Jesus, able to be with his family who has passed before him. And it's so beautiful because as I sat there and I remembered the the, the weight of what I felt on Good Friday, I was that weight was able to be relieved with the knowing that Jesus had conquered death, and it was through that conquering the death on the cross that I know that one day I will see my grandfather again. Because 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, to be absent of the body is to be present with Christ. For those who are believers, death 
is just the start of eternity. Our life is just a smidge on this earth of what eternity is with Christ. And so I know that 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 my grandfather, my Papa Terry, has started eternity with Christ. And he's going to be there for forever. And it's so beautiful. Because to be absent of the body is to be present with Christ. Now for an unbeliever, death is scary. Death is an unsure time. Death is one of those things that you are filled with questions. But I encourage you now, if you are someone who is sitting here listening to this, and you're in that boat where you're like, I don't know where I'm going to go after I die, or have I made that decision to follow Christ, or what even that does that look like, inquire about it. Reach out to me, reach out to the podcast, reach out to someone in your life that you know is religious, that is a Christian, and allow them to walk through you. Because I tell you what, it is, it is through Jesus conquering sin and death on that cross that he was able to conquer it in us, that therefore we will be in eternity. Because it was without that, that sin and death that he conquered on the cross, if he hadn't have done that, we wouldn't have eternity with Christ. We, we were eternally doomed. But I will also say for those that have not made the decision to follow Christ, right now you are eternally doomed. And you might hear that and be like, man, that's kind of, ugh. It's because it has weight behind it. You should feel that weight because it's a weighty decision. Because the decision to follow Christ in my life was the single most important decision that I ever made. And it's the most important decision that you will ever make. So I urge you and encourage you now, if you are in that boat where you feel like you don't know, you're uncertain what's next for you after this life. We are not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised the next five minutes. I'm not promised the next 30 seconds. But I know in my life now that whenever the good Lord decides to take me, I know where I'm going. And I know that it's in, with eternity with him. And I know that it is so important because I made that decision on this earth. But for those who are, who are not understanding or maybe don't know, you're not promised tomorrow and you're not promised today. You're not promised till the end of the day. You're not into the hour. So the important to follow Christ is a weighty decision because it holds weight. For it is the biggest decision that you will make in your life. But it is the best decision that you will make in your life. Because it's that decision that will dictate your eternity. You're going to either be with Christ in eternity or you're not going to be with Christ in eternity. And I'll tell you one thing. I desire to be with Christ in eternity. But without the cross, without the blood of Jesus, there is no eternity with Christ. But praise God we have that. Praise God that my grandpa decided to make that decision to follow Christ because it is through that decision that he made, through the blood and death of Jesus Christ, that I will be able to see him again. I love you guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you that reached out this week um, to offer your condolences to my family. Um, there's no doubt that it has been a, an emotional time, um, and it has been emotional, but all of those emotions haven't been bad. Some of them have been um, a lot of thanksgiving for the life he lived and the thanksgiving for who he is with now. I love you guys. Again, if you have any questions about what it means to follow Christ, do not be afraid to reach out. 
send us a message on the Equipped Podcast. They'll stay anonymous. And I'll be happy to share with you about the single greatest decision that you could make. For you won't regret it, I promise. I love you guys. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope that you love the people around you well so that they may be able to see Christ through you. Love you guys. Peace out. (laughs) 